Welcome to the Jay and Pal Podcast Experience. Listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. We talk casually yet poignantly about the most relevant topics in teaching today. So come on and chat with us because we love to engage in great conversation. Welcome to episode 98 of the Staff Room Podcast. Today, we are bringing you a conversation around embedding identity work in our teaching practice. I'm looking forward to talking about this topic today, so let's not waste any time and dive into this conversation. My name is Pav, and I make up a pretty equal portion of the hosting team of the Staff Room Podcast. My co-host is sitting right next to me, but I don't introduce him. He usually introduces himself. Because we reunited and it feels so good. Reunited, la, 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 la. That's the way I sing these songs. And I'm Che, the hurricane karaoke cheney oh i like that sometimes you know i had a rhyme when i rehearsed this in my head but with the pressure of the mic being on i, I don't remember it you lost it yeah but that's okay it was still really good <laughs> maybe i know that you left out the and we're understood portion because well, uh, no one has ever claimed to understand no. my antics exactly <laughs> but that was really nice and i have to agree it feels really nice to be reunited it's been a while since it, we've recorded a full episode together. I think it's been maybe a month, over a month. You started this. Yeah, I started this. Yeah. This is my fault. That's Beth. right. <laughs> I and, deviated first. And we did have a lot of fun um, yes. having Lainey and Tim come in and swap co-hosts. As yeah. uh, Pat, we talked about, it wasn't just a collaboration of, of an interview, because we've done our interview podcast, but rather... We invited Lainey and Tim to take over our roles, and they both brought really fun ways of sort of uh, ingesting their their inner Che or their inner Pav into the content to make for a Che and Pav episode with literally with guest co-hosts. And I thought it worked great, but as Tony Cornell would say, there's always a but, but I'm glad to be back. Reunited in this space. Yes, I, I actually did say a couple of days ago, I don't remember what it feels like to record an episode with you. <laughs> oh, oh, it just it just popped in there. Uh-huh. Reunited the way it should. Oh, 
Oh, the way it should. Yeah. Mm. You heard it first, guys. And it's, no, actually, they heard it like way too late because they're like, <laughs> "Oh, this is what you meant to do two minutes ago, right? Aren't you podcasters? Can't you edit that? Of course we could. We could, but, but we don't make the big bucks with our editing. No, are you kidding? We make the huge dollars by being teachers talking teaching. <laughs> with- teaching. <laughs> Did yes. I say that? You might have, but I I made sure I enunciated it. <laughs> there was a gray area, but you 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 eradicated the gray area. Oh, you blew it, Shay. I got you. Oh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, Lainey didn't do that. I just want you to know this right away. No, and Tim Tim didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> oh, shots fired. But Tim's a professional, so I wouldn't expect him to make any mistakes. And people expect the hurricane to rant and make all kinds of mistakes. Yeah. Because that's teaching. That is teaching. And you know what? Uh, we all had some really phenomenal conversations. And and we're not done with our conversations. But um, it's really nice to be back. And it's really nice to be uh, talking about some of the teaching that we have done in our classrooms over the last couple of weeks, um, last couple of days. And, uh, and it's really nice to get back to the root of uh, what the Staff Room Podcast is all about and reflecting on our teaching practice and bringing those experiences and reflections uh, to this audience. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. Our topic is, uh, you know, inspired by how great the teaching and the learning and the engagement win this week. And we know not every episode is sort of that asset framework. Somebody talks about the, sometimes we talk about those letdowns, but when you and I were prepping for Friday, often we'll have some ideas what we want to talk about. And we just said, we're going to talk about this because we just did this these last three days and it was yeah. great. And it was great. And uh, I'll let you dive into those specifics of that path. But I think I'll, you know, I'll start this episode mm-hmm. with an anecdote because the topic of this episode is really about embedding identity work or embedding anti-racism in our teaching. And I think of uh, a few conversations I've had with folks and they've talked about, you know what, it's not that I'm against this, it's not that I'm not for this, but it's where do I find the time to add this on to all the things I have to cover? And also in extension, having a few um, uh, peers talk about th- this pressure to sort of fill some of these gaps, I don't want to say loss, some of these gaps of, of students been in and out of school or in and out of virtual and face-to-face the last few years, they feel some pressure to deliver that content. Mm-hmm. And the conversation came like, this is, I know this is important, but I don't have the time. Uh, how do I add this on? And have we had this conversation, it's similar to the, the whole notion of relationships, is that th- this is not on the surface of teaching. It's not prerequisites to teaching. It's part of the foundation of great teaching is building the relationships within the lesson, but cementing the anti-racism or the identity work within the lessons. It's not, I'll do some identity work and then we'll do some math. No, no, no. We're going to establish that we're committed to identity work through the math that we're teaching and not compartmentalize it. Or as I've heard, I wish I knew exactly where I heard it. It's not about food and festivals. Right. Identity work. It, it's deeper than that. And so we had great experience uh, this week diving deep into some identity work, but embedded and connected and fused with all kinds of curriculum content and, and cross-curricular trying to, 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 to reach our learners, inspire that learning space. And I think that anecdote of, of sometimes teachers feeling like it's too much, it's an add-on, I would probably say it's more like a, a methodology or a pedagogy shift. Mm-hmm. You're just shifting the way you're teaching things. And so it's not about adding on. It's just making those little shifts in your methodologies to make the, one of those, those points of every lesson to make sure where am I checking identity? Where am I using identity? Where am I using a story? How am I making sure everyone is seen? 
Yeah. And that's a great anecdote, Jay, to get us into the conversation today. Um, I remember having this conversation and, and hearing uh, a fellow colleague say, there's no possible way that I can do more teaching with all of that that I have to teach by embedding identity work and and you know you highlighted that perfectly is that it's this is it's not supposed to be something extra this is something that we should be embedding into the curriculum that we are teaching and embedding it into what we are already doing in our spaces Um, it's just a matter of being more intentional with it it's a little bit more it requires a little bit more organization but there's no reason why this can't be identity work that we are teaching throughout the entire school year embedded within all of the curriculum work. And uh, this month uh, happens to be uh, Islamic Heritage Month and Somali Heritage Month within the within the school board that we teach in. And so it lent itself perfectly into some really great identity work for our students. And, uh, and that is really where this stemmed from. Um, and I'm just going to start off by highlighting, highlighting that neither myself nor Che are uh, Muslim. And so it is really a lot of relying on the resources that are provided to us by uh, many of the committees that have been established within the board and some of the amazing educators that have brought in so much of their own um, materials and resources and assistance in helping teachers prepare and establish really great lessons. And, um, and I think that if it wasn't for us being open to accepting those resources and, and really allowing for, um, you know, those, those teachers to be heard within the space that we, we wouldn't have been able to create and curate some of these incredible teaching moments that we've had in the last couple of days. And so um, I really owe that to my colleagues that have helped out with this um, and to colleagues that I've never met who have offered their ideas um, that I have borrowed from and uh, and I'm so grateful for. We have been gifted mm-hmm. a lot of wisdoms, time, uh, resources, and have uh, like twofold when I think of uh, how this conversation is going to manifest is many of the things we've been able to infuse in this identity work are things we've picked up mm-hmm. um, from other teachers, other educators in the space that are so willing to gift their time, their expertise, their knowledge. And as a teacher, it just it builds your own confidence, builds your own flow, and you feel really great in your learning space when you know that you are um, being guided or being mentored by so many great, wonderful people. And then conversely, when the, the scenario switches and the time switches, you're able to gift that back. Mm-hmm. You're able to gift some of your resources, some of our expertise. And so, yes, you're right. Our board has really um, set us up for success. And there's so many great staff that really went out of their way to curate uh, great resources Uh, curate great uh, articles, uh, secure great films we could watch, bring in authentic uh, guests with real lived experiences so that teachers aren't sitting there, or I think of myself as a white male, sitting there trying to tell a story that I have no right telling. And if I think of my own growth as a teacher, as I grew into the anti-racist identity work, I centered myself too much trying to teach it. And certainly my greatest growth in the last few years is being decentering myself, yet embedding it more in the classroom learning and some of these experiences that uh, we'll talk about really allowed, or at least um, 
provided that really authentic, true voice, that lived experience, giving the proper space for those folks to tell the stories that need to be told. Yeah, I just want to highlight that that beautiful balance that you that you spoke of right there. The the more you decentered yourself, the more you were able to embed it into your teaching because you are not making it about yourself. And I found that same shift of uh, of balance in in all of this teaching that we have done. Um, We are really able to pull those stories into the teaching. Um, And and this happened more as we decentered ourselves in the classroom. I feel like... um, other stories, or I don't like to use the word other, the, the stories that we were not, we shouldn't have been telling, and not that we were explicitly telling other stories, but the, the less we made it about ourselves, the more we could make it about um, those outside of our space. And I think that that is so important um, and, and such a beautiful balance uh, that I, I have also seen in my classroom space as well. And I'm so happy that, uh, that we've been able to do that. Mm-hmm. So it was Life Without Basketball about Bilkis Abdul-Qadir. And I, I, I just use that as the foundational piece. And then I, I brought in a few sort of the other things that was going on in my classroom my classroom, take that back, the learning space, what I wanted to connect to. And so I knew in, in, in the class, we've been working on uh, connections, text to self, text to media, text to world. And we'd done a few activities and I knew the connect, the connect to self was working really well, but we struggled with connection to media, connection to world. And sort of this was just hovering around in sort of the back of my, my mind. I said, how can I use this to connect to our abilities to make connections. So we'll use the film, one, about the identity work, but also a chance to work on connections. And so when we got to the video component, um, I broke the video down into three, it's a 90-minute video, three 30-minute sections. And we worked on each section to work on another skill of taking jot notes or sketch notes. And we talked about The reason we're taking these notes isn't so much that you spend the film just jotting down points, but we're taking some notes so that later we can draw upon these notes to help us make uh, text-to-media connections when we're either reading uh, some of our read-alouds or we talk specifically about our exploration in podcasting and listening to the Mars Patel podcast. And this is where the context of a previous lesson on making connections, we'd seen that we had some some gaps in those spaces. So I said, okay, so these, these jot notes, they're for this purpose. So we're listening to make a few notes to solidify some moments from this film that we're going to lock down into our long-term memory. And then when we need to make a connection, maybe you'll have a different media connection you'll want to make, but perhaps you now have this one that's scaffolded for you, or it's um, the model text for you. And now you have some jot notes to work into it. And so one, we had the really critical uh, identity work that was going on there. And, and we'll talk a little bit about what was going on in the film but I was able to also curate it and use it for we're also going to use this on working on our connections and then we're also going to work on using our jot notes or a preface for why we're taking the jot notes and not just making it some uh, trivial task to say because you're watching a video I'm going to make you take notes it was we're going to work on our notes and we're going to continue to work on either jot noting or sketch noting because it's another skill we've been working on this year again connecting back to curriculum and stuff we've taught and we focused on let's do some some jot notes for the preface of working on our connections connections to media specifically so some of our learning within the class allowed me to use that film to say okay this is an opportunity to just 
layer this so it's not just a watch the film standalone. The film has critical importance, which again, we'll get to, but I was able to talk about some of these other things with the students so that there was a little bit more meaning and again, connected right into the, the content and the curriculum. And then Pav, I don't know if you want to jump in, um, but I know you and I both used then, I'm certainly going to go off, is that we then drew upon some of our learning from Noah Daniel about deconstructing photos. And we set up a jam board for our class to sort of preface the film. And we were able to take a few of the pictures from the CBC article and put it on a jam board. And then we pondered it with the four questions. It's a little different from, from Noah Daniel's questions because I switched one of them. But we had, what do you see? What do you infer? What do you wonder? And then make a title. And the students looked at the picture and they, we, we talked about, you know, what do you see? But we talked about, don't just tell me the surface level things. What can you, 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 what can you look at and really find when you look a little deeper? And some of the things is, uh, that students started to share was they looked at the quality of the basketball and they said, Mr. Chain, this, this is a really good spalling ball. And then it led to an inference. Why do you have a really good basketball? You must be a great player if you have a really good basketball. A few of the students even zoomed in really close onto the brand she was wearing and found the background of the brands. Uh, and it was just, it was really great to see them dissect the photo. But we talked about this and then we started to make some math connections. Mm. And I said, this is the type of thinking that we processing we want to do when we look at a math question is that we don't inherently think that we're going to see the answer right away, but we're going to look at the question and then we're going to look deep and then we're going to make some inferences. And I said, in this jam board for this picture, you dove really deep. I, I, I could truthfully say that I've never had my class collectively more engaged in a task. Mm -hmm. There's always a few students that's, you know, don't quite get into it right away, or maybe they got another tab going. I had all 26 on this task. And I stopped and I said, but when we do a math word problem, this, we won't get the same interaction with the word problem. I said, what you're doing now, the processes that you're doing right now are the same processes that you would do when we explore a math problem. Look, look deep, ponder, ask questions, make inferences. And so Pav, you know, that Jamboard connecting to our learning from Noah allowed us to really set ourselves up for our students to really be engaged and thinking about the film before diving into the film. Yeah. And that, that Jamboard and that deconstructed photo has been something of, of, of invaluable yes. to, to our teaching since right. we've learned that skill. Absolutely. And, and we also used the, that, that same Jamboard with the pictures and, um, and I actually posted, uh, the responses, like I posted the, the Jamboard, uh, on Twitter with, uh, you know, just a little bit of a tweet and thanking, uh, Bilkis for, for, uh, hosting, uh, the webinar that we attended on Thursday with her, um, and, uh, and, and she actually, like, she retweeted it and she liked it and she left a really lovely comment. And the next, the following day, I, I, I told the students about that and I, and I read out the response to them and they were, they were thrilled that they were just so proud of themselves for, you know, getting noticed, so to speak. And, uh, they were, they were really grateful for not only being able to watch the, the documentary, but, but then also participate in the webinar, um, to learn a little bit more about her. Um, and so like you, 
we also sort of were building upon this event uh, that was happening towards the end of the week. And so we're continuing that identity work and really looking deeply. We watched uh, quite a few, we, we engaged in that CBC article as well, but, uh, but we used it as a guided, guided reading task in our class. And so we got very deep and intentional with reading articles. So we focused in on the type of text it is and what makes it an article and, you know, all of the different characteristics and qualities of articles. And then we looked into the content. We looked at the words. We looked at the writing style. We looked at, um, you know, who is being interviewed and how. Uh, we looked at bias. We looked at all kinds of things uh, in our guided reading groups, and we were really able to dissect that article. So, uh, so this is something that I have begun to do a lot more. The readings that we are doing in different areas of the curriculum, I bring that into that guided reading program or guided writing program, and uh, and we're really able to embed this this sort of um, learning that we are doing, identity work learning that we are doing into these different areas of the curriculum so that it doesn't feel separate, um, and segregated from everything that we do in our space. So, um, that's something that we did building off of the Amani arts workshop that we had a couple of days prior, we started working on some poetry. So again, we're working on some writing there. Uh, and then when we watched the documentary, actually, we just watched it today. Um, we focused in on, well, we, what is a documentary? What Mm. makes a documentary a documentary? We looked at all of the different characteristics and qualities and we had a really great discussion. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter a couple of days ago, we've been learning online for the last couple of days. And, um, and this was the first time I had like a good amount of students actually inputting their ideas and their thoughts. And we had a great discussion going, which is something that I found that was very lacking. And they were able to pull from all of the learning that they did this past week about Bilkis and the, the different ways that we've learned about her. You know, we've watched, we, we read an article about her. Uh, we watched a short, we listened to a radio article, a radio, uh, interview. interview. Yep. Thank you. Uh, about her or with her. We uh, watched a short clip, like a, a a documentary that was made on um, the YouTube site uninterrupted by uninterrupted, and that was a really great uh, segue and a lead in into the longer documentary that we were doing. We participated in a webinar where we had question and answer with Bill Keys. And we, we learned so much through her own words and her own personal experiences coming straight from her. And then we watched the documentary to top that all off. So we're learning about one piece, one piece of content through many different, uh, forms of media. And so we were really able to talk about which, which way, which method did you learn the best why, how, uh, what were the different pieces of information that you picked out of each, uh, piece and where was bias coming from? Like where, which, which one of those lent more to, to bias, uh, and how, so these are some of the great conversations that we were able to have in our class over this one week of learning and all centered around identity, all centered around something that the students were able to provide me with more information about. We talked a lot about, you know, the, the, um, traditions and the, the, uh, the, the things that we saw within the film, 
how relatable are they to your own life if you are Muslim? Like some of the, the, and some of the students were saying, oh, we really liked seeing the Eid celebrations. And I said, were they similar to your Eid uh, celebrations? And many of them said, yes, actually it was pretty accurate. And then we had a conversation about um, Bilkis's wedding. And uh, they they talked a little bit about the the wedding ceremony called the nikah, and they they talked about the the differences between what they what they are familiar with and what they saw in the documentary. So we had some more conversation about that. So it was really um, insightful. I learned a lot through the entire process, um, and and the students really felt seen and heard and it was a really as as they expressed themselves really nice opportunity for them to um to have something that they could relate to in the classroom and so um i think that all in all it was a very valuable experience for us Mm -hmm. and um and i think that it was very successful and i think that that is part of why we we felt like we needed to share that in our reflections today also because th- this is what we've been teaching and it worked yeah. and, and and ultimately when you come back we always talk about what's one of the values of your podcast is it's your archiving your thoughts your experiences and so yeah. maybe in, in six months yeah. if if something's not going well in the classroom you come back to this space pat maybe just you and i come back to this space and we say oh yeah this can work this yeah. is what we got to do it helps you you refocus um we haven't really talked about what the film was about and of <laughs> yes. course bilkis bilkis was a um basketball player great basketball player and the story uh fixates on the idea that her career or her potential career was completely uh stopped by FIBA's um, inability to provide a waiver or at least that's what uh, sorry I don't know that's not the real reason they outlawed outlawed is outlawed the right word they banned her jab from allowing her to play and then they used a variety of different uh Excuses. excuses to justify it. And I think I use the word waiver because uh, Bilgis talked about uh, using only needing a waiver in the NCAA, but then mm-hmm. she even questioned, why did I even need a, a waiver? Uh, but FIBA wouldn't, didn't even have that practice. It was denied. And so the story is about her, you know, fighting the system, the oppressive system. Um, yeah. And we won't tell you the answer. Yeah, check, that's right. You got to check, check out it out. Film. Um, and that was that was important. And then, Pav, I was just, you were talking about sort of your students' experiences. And it reminds me, and I'm thinking about, you know, how did this film land with the class? Mm-hmm. And I think it reminds me back of our Tom Shimmer interview on assessment. And things are going to land three ways. Either it's going to validate a student's experience, it's going to ignite curiosity and further learning, or it's going to alienate them. And my class didn't have the same necessarily... Um, structured conversation because we were fixating on a few other skills, which is sort of the great way our conversation is going is that we picked other things that were going on in our classes to talk about. But I watched and observed what was going on in the class as the film was playing on, as different scenes were going on. And you could see students interacting, conversation on the on the content, um, asking further questions, um, pondering, you know, similar things you were talking about, making those connections, how accurate was it? And you could just hear this little buzz of conversation all around and sometimes you're watching a film you want it quiet but you start to listen to the conversation you're like everyone here wants to know a little bit more they're engaged they're and certain for certain students this is validating their experience validating their lived experience if they questioned it and for many others it was a space to ask questions they were curious they were asking their peers asking their friends and so 
I could feel the vibe of the room to say, this is having a wonderfully positive and uniting experience because students are talking to each other about deep things and about identity and about each other. And when we talk about identity in the room, it's great. It's really important to stand up for who you are, but it's also really important to learn about the person beside you so you can help and stand up for them. And I could see those type of conversations manifesting in the space. And it was wonderful to see. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to add on there. I could probably add on, but I, <laughs> um, it just it reminded me is that even though you can get curated great resources, I think if I had maybe maybe 10 years ago, I would have left it at we'll watch the movie. Yeah. And and not fostered right. all the other activities around it that really allow students to to dive deep to explore, and then I I would have checked it off the box. Right, I've done the identity work, I've done the the heritage month, but was there any impact? And I can feel now, based on the the amount of activities we had, and then diving into one, reading the room, reading your space, knowing your students, knowing your own strengths, knowing your class's own uh, places in learning. How can you facilitate this? Because when I talk about the making connections, as a class, we had debriefed this. So we were already in that place where we knew we needed to work on this skill, and this provided a great context for it. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to jot note effectively. We were able to make connections. And along the way, really importantly, we were able to learn that identity story and as I commented here so important I saw I saw today maybe more than any other day how important it is for students to feel like they're represented and to feel seen and to feel like there's um, folks that can share their experience that it's not the white male teacher sharing the the heritage month and and, and you could just see it you could see uh, pride maybe pride the right word maybe pride's not the right word but you could just see an energy and especially with female Muslim students in my room that, that, that like that this is what they wanted to hear yeah. this is what they wanted to see and they were applauding and they were doing a little bit of fist pumping and you could just see a little bit of snapping of the finger like yeah yeah that's what I want that's what I wanted to hear and it was so good to as a teacher you know what's so good to observe yeah Watch, yeah. watch your students engage in the learning where you're not centered in that. And it was just, it was a really great experience for my class, a really great experience for myself. Yeah. And also I want to highlight that um, something that, that made me really uh, feel a huge sense of gratitude in this whole process was, was being able to learn from the teacher next door, literally, you know, and being able to receive, be gifted all of these great resources and, you know, not even knowing about some of the things that were happening. Um, you know, if we're not actively part of a particular group that we may not even be aware of. And so it was really nice to be able to have that shared and, and then, you know, work together to develop, um, what, what some of the activities might be and some of the things that, uh, that we can do in the class together. And so it was, um, it was for me a really great opportunity to not only get to know, uh, my teacher neighbor a little bit better, but also to be able to le learn from my teacher neighbor. And, and, you know, we've talked about that before. Some of the best PD that we get is by, by just, uh, visiting the teacher next door and see what they're doing in their space and, um, and, and learning from them and taking and not taking from them, but being gifted the, the wonderful things that they are doing this in is, their space. This is when, when you teach as a team and you have those great relationships, it, it, you sort of, you lose, you know, when we talk about this anti-racist work and this identity 
identity work, there is that there there is a little bit of find the right flow because you want to ask for questions and you want to have guidance and you want to get it right, but you don't want to be leaning on folks yeah. to tell you all the answers to get it right. Yeah. And that it's really important to build that really quality relationship with people. So this sort of gift economy doesn't feel like I'm taking, taking, taking. Right. It's this mutual working together and I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm looking up things myself. I'm trying to learn as best I can. I'm setting up the learning as best I can, but it would really be benefited by those authentic voices to let, not to, to not to put the burden on you, mm-hmm. uh, to shoulder you with that burden. But I think once that relationship is solid, it is just seen as that this is mutual. We're co-learners, co-teachers That's right. in that learning space. It really is co-teaching. I mean, there's... I think that maybe because we are a little bit more intentional about that, that learning that we have done and learning about the gift economy, and it's not just about taking, 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 it's about giving back as well. Um, But I was very purposeful in ensuring that, um, yes, thank you. I I really truly appreciate that you shared these resources with me. Here's what I created using those resources, and I'm going to give those back to you, and maybe you can use them in your space. This is what I put together. I put together this guided reading program and I put, I found a couple more things that we could use to support this. Um, I found this great lesson on, um, on, on teaching this particular type of poetry. Would you like to use this in your space? Because this is something that I think that we will follow up with in our class. Um, and so it was very much like mutual, it was a mutual learning experience. And so, um, in the end it was, I think truly an opportunity to thank each other for, uh, for the co-teaching that we did together during this week, during this past couple of weeks. And as we know, we'll continue on going into the future. So it does, um, not only do we need to have that little bit of relationship established, but that relationship continues to grow through the co-teaching that we are doing. Just like uh, the relationships that we build with our students happen through the curriculum that we are teaching, not necessarily before. All right, Pav. And then from there, you know, despite all this great learning that was going on, um, we had to, I'm going to use this word again, pivot. Oh. Better yet, twirl. Mm-hmm. Um, because despite the the authenticity of the situation, the documentary and the learning and bringing, making it real, all of a sudden, real life thrust itself right in front of us and the learning we had done and sort of the the celebration uh, of making these connections and exploring this film and Bilky's story was shifted and I think why don't you set us up and we'll talk about how we address this this massive shift yeah so on the very same day that we watched the hot docs uh, documentary life after basketball um Bilky's had tweeted out some information about herself. So uh, she, as we discussed earlier, is is American and had moved to London, Ontario uh, to open her school, her basketball program, and, uh, and work there with her husband and her now uh, young son who was born in Canada. And so she tweeted out that her permanent residency was denied. Uh, and so they would have to be moving back to Tennessee um, unless they, I don't know, whatever options they had were explored. So uh, so this was information that she shared on the very same day that we participated in the webinar. We, we watched the documentary. We were really embedded and engaged with everything about Bilkis. And um, 
I had tweeted out some of the work that we had done and she had liked it. And I was sharing with students um, some of the information that she had given, like the positive feedback about some of the the great work that students had done. So so I took this information back to the students and I said, you know, there was a there was an article that was published uh, the same day by CBC. So I I brought the article to class and I said, I, I've got a little bit more information that's new um, about Bilkis. And, and we read it together as a class. And students, you know, after a little bit of a pause, after reading the article, it was, wait, what? And and that was very much the response from the students. Wait a second. She's been doing all of this work. She set up this program. It's been so good for the community. She's doing all of this amazing stuff. How could she be denied residency in Canada? How could it be that, you know, the the reasoning that was provided was that the work that she was doing was not um, adequate employment. And uh, I don't know the finer details, but uh, but students were, I want to say, outraged. And and so we use this as a great opportunity to talk about advocacy. And that was the route that we went in. And I don't know, Che, if you want to add anything uh, else to that before before we talk about that. It, it was a very similar experience because we'd had this wonderful uh, day of learning and inspiration. And it was real because it was local, a London, Ontario, close enough to Toronto to call it local. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we were smashed in the face with, we've just heard this positive, impactful, inspiring story. And the next day, ultimately, we had this conversation in our class, we were gifted this wonderful opportunity on, I believe it was a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then by Friday morning, the the person, Bill Keys, who's gifted us this wonderful story, all of a sudden is going through this traumatic event. And we're now observing. And all of a sudden, it became important for our class to, we use the word, we were fixated on this is time now. We've talked about identity work. We've talked about social justice work. We've talked about supporting the community. And it's like, this is our time to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, because exactly what you said, you saw how students responded. Disbelief. Yeah. Uh, maybe they and maybe we don't know all the finer details, but on the, the, the main pillars of the story, we were inspired, gifted this story and felt uh, empowered to do more and connect more. And then all of a sudden, the roles are reversed. Bilkis is, is, being, is sharing the story of her and her family not being allowed to remain in Canada. And we felt, and, and maybe I coached a little bit, that students, it's one thing to be outraged. Are we in a position now to do something? Are we in a position to sort of give back some energies and some resources to support someone who just supported us the day before? Right. And we took that angle. It's one thing to feel bad about it. It's one thing to have empathy are we willing now to do something? Are we really willing to sh- display our learning on activism and supporting community? And so we talked, how can we do something now to make sure that we didn't just consume all this great information yesterday, be inspired, and then disconnect at, at the sight of this news? And I mm-hmm. felt that I felt we in our class, and I knew our class, uh, our classes would take uh, action. And then I also felt on a bigger scale, I hope our board takes some action, makes a statement. Because ultimately, uh, when you think about reciprocity, we, our board funneled this great learning opportunity for us. And it was a fantastic opportunity. But I hope we don't remain silent 
mm-hmm. in, in response to this. Even if we don't know all the intricate details, at least we can be a vocal voice that is a, maybe it's just anecdotal, maybe it's empirical, to say, this is an influencer. This is a positive um, uh, role model for, uh, for our students, and we have the anecdotal evidence to prove it. Hopefully it means something. Hopefully someone at the other end is hearing. But it's important that we scream and scream loud. As Isaac Hayes would say, mm-hmm. you feel like scream, scream on. And I know the class wants to scream. Yeah, they do. And not only do they want to scream, but they now feel a little bit more empowered to do so. So uh, right after hearing this news, we sort of, I opened up a quick jam board and we, we, were, we were discussing um, what does social justice action now look like? And not only for everybody, but let's split it up into different groups. There are different groupings of people involved and let's zero in and focus on you because sometimes uh, you think to yourself, well, I'm just a student. Um, I don't have a lot of voice. I don't have a lot of power, but what can you do? Let's talk about that. And, and I think that because students felt a little bit closer to Bilkis because of the webinar that we participated in with her and she was there live and she was answering student questions and she was participating and students could engage in conversation with her. Uh, she felt very accessible to them. And so uh, there were there were all kinds of, you know, things that were recommended by students of things that they can do. They can protest. What does protest look like? There's petitions. There's uh, there's going to the place where, you know, where, where Canadian immigration is and then marching out in front, which is, I mean, they have these ideas and they are fair ideas. And then there was uh, writing letters to members of parliament. There was uh, all kinds of action. And then I had a student say, well, we could we could talk to her. And I said, oh, let's continue with that. And they said, well, we could talk to her and find out a little bit more information and ask her what she, what we could do for her. And I thought that that was really um, insightful and and I was intrigued by it. And then so students had already known that, you know, we're working on a podcast project for the school, something we'd like to get off the ground in the next couple of weeks. And uh, And so we talked about, hey, you know, when you have a platform and when you have a podcast, you will have a platform. Um, you have the opportunity to to conduct some interviews. And wouldn't she be a great first guest on your interview? So we sort of initiated that process. We started talking about, well, what could you ask her? What could be some of the questions? And all of a sudden, all of this learning that we did this past week was made a lot more um, integrated into our own personal lives by, by now turning it into that action piece. And so, and it was all... Uh, organically sort of created. There was nothing that I did. It was just, uh, you know, leading in from the information that was provided to us, events that were happening around a topic that we were engaged in. And and this is what organically came from that. This These were their ideas. Uh, this was their action. And, and all it required from the teacher's point of view was a little bit of facilitation and a little bit of guidance. And they took it and they ran with it. And this is what they wanted to do. And so we spent actually the rest of that day um, learning how to start a podcast, learning how to um, use the equipment that we have with us and and talking about, how okay, how are we going to start? Because we can't just go and interview her and then three months later is when we are able to publish. Um, we have to go step by step. So that was sort of the learning that came from our class um, as a result of this new information 
that was available to us in the classroom. It reminds us, it reminds me of our, uh, the episode we did on how to address racism in episode mm-hmm. nine of the Staff Room Podcast, because all of a sudden now this was a manifestation of it. It's all talk until there's an opportunity. And I don't want to say opportunity, like trivialize it. When something is thrust in your face, will you actually take the action in which you think you have? And Pav, we know, I know, your class dove into the podcast space. Our class debated and talked, and we decided upon writing letters. Mm-hmm. And then the, the debate actually became on the motion, do you type up a letter and then sign it? Or as students, do we handwrite a letter? Because we were starting to think about the, the imagery. How powerful is it to type right. something up? There's a little bit of, uh, I don't know about this. But our students felt like, you know what? This is the time to handwrite a letter. So we are currently engaged in writing a persuasive letter, actually, to give to Bilkis to show her how she inspired them. And then if she can use that to, to, to um, demonstrate her influence, her impact, and to support, then we hope it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes back to this bigger concept of this, this episode was the idea that identity work and anti-racist work isn't external. It's not an add-on. It's not something that it's embedded in everything. And in this particular case, the learning and the learning scenarios provided the space for us to become those active agents and attempt to be a disruptor, attempt to seek social justice. And at the moment, can we tell you how it's gone? It hasn't gone because part of the value of our podcast is that it's current. And so this is currently what we're doing and how fast it shifted from, you know, this predetermined, we're going to engage in these videos, we have these pre-activities, we have these during activities, we have these things we want to hit in our content, in our curriculum. And then with a little bit of news, are we willing to respond? And Pav, I think you and I have talked about this in previous episodes. It's your duty when you think about being a disruptor, a social justice advocate, or an anti-racist educator. And I don't want to label us as such. Mm -hmm. I think we have to do uh, far longer, greater work because we know there are... There are folks in this space that have been doing this a lot longer and much more intentionally than we have. And so I don't want to just say, we are these things. We are, these are goals for us. And this is a space where all of a sudden we think we can do something where it's not just performative, not that it is performative, but have we been tested? Have we been uh, provided an opportunity where we can take action? And all of a sudden we can, and we know we've seen it in our students. You talked about that, right? Bilkis was so accessible the day before they were talking to her. They... They grew a connection. It's it's amazing sometimes how fast you can make a connection yeah. with someone. Yeah. And they're inspired to, to take a stand and support. And so our learning uh, continues to go with our students. And we really hope that we can offer some value. Uh, and, and, and as collectively, our students realize that they can have an impact and they should take a community outreach. They should take action. If they see injustice, take a stand. Make your voice heard and demand others have their voice heard to support as well, especially when you've been consuming, especially when you've been gifted all kinds of knowledge and wisdoms. It's our time to gift our knowledge, our wisdoms, our energies, our support. Very well said, Che. Thank you for that. Um, and it absolutely led to the, that conversation and then also the idea of um, responsibility when you have a loud voice. And so that was something that even came in to our class after that and something that we are going to be exploring further in some opinion writing pieces or uh, some persuasive pieces later on. Um, that question of when you when you have a loud voice, is it your responsibility to take social justice action? And that loud voice can come in many different forms. We talked about uh, celebrities. We talked about um, access to platforms such as podcasts or TV shows or blogs that you may be writing. Or if you have an audience of any sort, is it your responsibility to take social justice action? And we had a lot of really great conversations surrounding that even. So 
you know, this, this one activity and, and it wasn't just one soul activity. It was a, it was a week of lots of work that we had done collectively as a group of educators to set up a wonderful learning opportunity for students, um, led to further and further learning. And, and that is a uh, prime example of how it can be embedded right into your curriculum, right into your programming. And, uh, and, and it can produce some of the most authentic results that are much more meaningful than, um, than bringing uh, isolated pieces in because it leads to more and more and more. And this for us was a prime example of how that can be done. Pat, this has been a wonderful conversation. It continues to be a wonderful conversation, and and I look forward for us being able to later um, draw back and and give some highlights on how all this work has manifested and whether our students see the fruits of their labor and they're able to support. Absolutely, 100%. All right, I think this will be the perfect time for a slight commercial break, and then we'll come back to wrap up episode 98. And you're listening to Staff Room Podcast with Jay and Pav. And this episode is brought to you by 1970s disco music. Because if you have a class playlist, you know you're listening to Reunited and it feels so good. And of course, you're listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Paff. Mm, you didn't do like a, a funny commercial today. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty funny. You're very funny. So maybe we're just kind of easing our way back in. You know what? It, it has been odd how difficult it has been. I don't want to say difficult. It's strange. I'm like, we're yeah. so used to recording so often. I'm like, I don't feel like I've got my, my, my flow yeah. working. We don't have our flow quite yet. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> It'll come. So if you listen this far, oh boy. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> You're loyals. You're the loyals. That's right. No, but it has been a great episode. It has been a great conversation. Um, and, and it feels really good to get back to, uh, reflecting on the things that we're doing in the classroom. And we've had a very vibrant, uh, first couple of weeks of school. I know it's been like two months now, almost since we started school. Um, but, uh, but there's a, there's been a lot going on and it's been very busy and <laughs> it's nice to just be able to reflect on some of the things that we've been doing in class and uh, some of the great learning that students have done and some of the great learning that we have done in the in the past uh, couple of weeks and and so yeah so it's nice to talk about it absolutely that's that's not my dismissive absolutely that's my absolutely that's your in agreement in agreement that's right absolutely you can yes. tell the difference i know the difference that's right because <laughs> you say absolute to me all the time like burn me really I, you- I don't say it as much anymore i don't think <laughs> Oh, I must be getting wiser in my old age. Absolutely. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Pat. There's no epi- episode is not, you know, a full episode unless we have a quote. Mm-hmm. And so you set us up for the quote this week on Staff Room Podcast, episode 98. I'll give you a little bit of context first. Um, as we were watching the the documentary on Bilkis, um, I had asked students to just pay attention to things that you made connections with and not a lot, like just, I didn't want to bombard them with too much. I want you to enjoy watching and just kind of keep uh, as attentive as possible. Um, 
but I did say, you know, try and make, make, try and make a connection to something and write that down as we are watching. And so there was uh, one particular quote during the film that, um, that Bill Keese was, she was working with a group of girls and training uh, for basketball. And, uh, and this is something that was being narrated by herself um, while, while doing this training. And so um, this was the quote that the students in my class, particularly the girls, really connected with. And they wanted to talk a little bit more about this and their experiences and how this was something that they really felt a connection to. So, uh, So I'm going to read that quote. And I quote, It's hard being a young Muslim woman in America. You have to be strong regardless. It takes strength to walk outside and look different than everybody else. People kind of look at you different. When they see Muslim women, they have the stereotype that they're submissive, that they're not supposed to do certain things. I felt like when I first started wearing a hijab, I felt like I couldn't be myself. I had to find a way. End quote. And so... This was um, this was something that students could have heard anywhere, and uh, but there was this this was the quote that they just felt like, yes, this is how we often feel, and we don't like when people turn and look at us, or you know we don't like when people ask us. So is that is, are you going to wear that forever? Or, you know, some of the comments that they have received. And these are 12 and 13 year old girls. Um, and, and they're already very, um, heightened to this, the, these sort of aggressions, uh, and this sort of, uh, these sort of comments that they experience in their life. And, and so it was something that we spent time talking about, you know, is this, is this racism? Is this ignorance? Is this fear? What is it? Where does it come from? Uh, where does it stem from? And, uh, and so the, this was, this was one of those topics where it was like, this is, this deserves a full conversation. This was a quote that was meaningful to them, to so many of them. And this was something that we wanted to talk about. And so we did, we paused, we discussed it. We talked about their own experiences and how they're going to possibly work through that. Um, and, and we were able to, um, really discuss it. And so I thought that that was really meaningful. And, uh, one of, one of, I think the, the better conversations that we have had in the last couple of weeks. And so that's something that I wanted to highlight. That's a great quote. I, I recall it vividly because it did land powerfully, um, in the class. And I think that's a great way to, to, to wrap this up Mm -hmm. and get ourselves into the swag bag path. Um, certainly, um, don't worry, I haven't started yet because I'll push the button when we're officially into the... Yeah, I was waiting for you to begin talking so that I could say, hey, you didn't start the music. Didn't, didn't start the music, didn't wrap this up. You are rusty. <laughs> um, I just, it, you know what, it, it, there's so many layers to this because one, we were gifted a lot of opportunities and wisdoms and, and knowledge because it's, you know, Islamic Heritage Month. But it also, and also there's a reminder that uh, identity work and certain folks' identity isn't just more prevalent or more important or solely dedicated to a month. And so this month has provided us opportunities, but the work doesn't stop just because the month uh, comes to an end. And so when you commit to identity work, um, it it has to be far-reaching. And though uh, in this particular moment, 
like we said, we were gifted a lot of extra resources, but you want to you if those resources have made an impact when you stay committed to the cause throughout the month, which sort of reminds me of that initial comment. It's it's more than just theme months, and it's more than just food, and it's more than just festivals. It's getting deep into the below the surface, and I think this week our class and ourselves were able to get into that space, mm-hmm. diving deep into identity work, and you could see how it landed, and that is a good buzzword to get into our swag bag for episode 98 of the Staff Room Podcast. And my first comment or our first swag bag, Pat, is the idea of decentering yourself. Mm-hmm. Know when it's your story to tell and know when it's not your story to tell. And to be aware that when you're telling someone else's story, it is the act of erasureism. It is the act of the oppressor. And to have such privileges to tell someone else's lived experience and just being in our classes this week, as every week, you can see how it lands when students see people they can see, folks they truly connect with because they know it's that shared experience. And I had this here that make sure you observe how the work is landing in your space. Mm-hmm. It ignites three responses, validates, ignites, or alienates. And so it's really critical to remain an observer. Next part is identity work is embedded in the curriculum. Don't think of it as an add-on. Think of it as a shift in your methodologies. How can you embed that identity work in what you're doing? And I think our last swag bag, number four, was being confident and comfortable to make those content connections through what you see and you're doing in your space. Pav and I had two different facets of, of other parts of our learning that was going on. We, my class was fixating a lot on making connections, and Pav was diving a lot in the types of writing and the documentation uh, documentaries. And so that when you make those content connections, they don't have to be shared with all your teachers. In fact, they're shared with your learners in the space. You know what's going on in your class. And so you can tap these things to really funnel great learning into and across the curriculum. And that's been episode... 98 of the Staff Room Podcast. Thank you for that awesome swag bag, Che. It really highlighted all of the important points that we discussed in this episode. We are so grateful that you were able to join us today for episode 98 of the Staff Room Podcast, embedding identity work in our teaching. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.